record. So again, the, the, the book of Jonah, uh, Jonah uh, was, a, was a prophet of the Old Testament. He's considered one of, one of the minor prophets. Um, the way the Bible is set up, you know, you have your historical books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, uh, Joshua, Judges, and you have uh, uh, the rest of the Kings and the Chronicles. Then you have poetry books. Then you have what's known as, as major prophets, which, which would include uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, um, Jeremiah. And then you have a bunch of little guys that are all the minor, that are considered the, the minor prophets. They're, they're where they're, where they're placed in the Bible. Now, they're not minor because they were, any, they were smaller or, or because they were any less important or because they were actually little. You know, but but they're, they're considered the minor prophets because of the content uh, of, of their writings. You know, so most of the minor prophets are only a few chapters long. So they're minor, not in power, not in authority, not in, not in, uh, uh, um, in the way God used them. They're just minor in, 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 the, content, in the context. The content of, of what they wrote. So Jonah's considered uh, one of the, the minor prophets. Now, just a brief introduction, introduction to Jonah. Now, who was Jonah? Um, well, again, we're reading, we're reading the book of Jonah and we're reading the story of Jonah. Um, a lot of you guys probably, if you've never read the book of Jonah, you've heard of the story, you know, of, 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 a, of a fish eating a man, you know, and a, a, lot, of, a lot of skeptics kind of poke fun at that story. You know, they, they poke fun at the Bible because they think, oh, really, you believe that, that, a, that a fish followed a man and he survived? Well, that's Jonah. And that's the story of Jonah. And so who was Jonah? Well, there's not much, much said about Jonah, uh, but we know that he is a prophet uh, to the northern kingdom of Israel. And we read about Jonah also in 2 Kings 14.25. Now, that at this point in time in, in, in Israel's history, the, 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 the kingdom of Israel is divided. The northern kingdom, you know, which is uh, uh, 10 tribes, is, is considered the kingdom of Israel. And the southern kingdom, which is uh, two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, are considered the southern kingdom of Judah. And so at this point, the, the, the nation of Israel is divided. The, the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, for the most part, had no good kings. All of them, all those guys were wicked. Every, every single one of them, they took power. They went to idolatry. They led the people into idolatry. They, they, they began to just to, to take advantage of God's people. They began to just worship false gods, you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff, and God will punish them. You know, so these guys, for the most part, you know, they had nothing but evil kings. As to uh, the, the southern kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah had uh, mostly all godly kings. Not all of them, but the majority of them were, were, were godly kings. And so... Uh, Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. And so again, not much is said about Jonah. You know, there's, prime, there's pretty much, we have the book of Jonah, and then we have a couple, one mention actually of him in the Old Testament. And so again, Jonah is a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, and we read about him also in 2 Kings 14.25. We see that he prophesied during the reign of, of Jeroboam uh, between 793 and 758 B.C., and so again, Jeroboam II, actually. So he was a wicked king, just like his dad, just like his grandpa. And so a little bit of background into, into the book of Jonah. At this time, I mean, physically and economically, the nation of Israel was flourishing. I mean, they were, uh, economically, they were like at, at their best right now. You know, money was flowing in, money was flowing out. There was commerce going on. There was, you know, a lot of buying and selling. They were, economically, they were, they, they were flourishing. You know, um, Israel was, was experiencing, again, just this great prosperity, you know, as a nation. Uh, Jeroboam ha had enlarged the borders of Israel to where they, they had been in the days of, of, of King David and King Solomon, which says a lot for the nation of Israel. And because during King David's uh, rule and reign and during Solomon's reign is when the nation of Israel was like at, at, its, at its peak. And so Jeroboam II had, had, uh, had enlarged the borders up to, up to that length again. 
But spiritually, so though economically they were, they were prospering, spiritually they were declining. Spiritually they were impoverished. They were impoverished. And, and Israel as a nation had turned their back on, on, on the worship of the one and true living God. And they turned their back to go uh, after these false gods. You know, the, these, the, this practice of the worship of, 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 of these false gods. One of them being the Baals, the Ashtoreths. And so Nineveh, as we're going to read here in the, in the book of Jonah, we're going to see the, the, the name of the city mentioned, Nineveh. And Nineveh was actually the capital of Assyria. And so this is where, where Jonah is going to prophesy at. And so pretty much the whole book of Jonah is broken down into, into four parts. You know, we see Jonah running from God as God called him to go preach his word. We see Jonah running from God. Then we see Jonah running to God. Then we see Jonah running with God. And then we see Jonah running against God. So from God, to God, with God, and against God. And now, the, the, the idea you know, behind this, the, the book of Jonah, again, a lot of people, they, you hear the book of Jonah, and the automatically the first thing that comes to your mind is you know, the great fish. You know, and, and, and Jonah being swallowed by, by the fish, or a lot of people think it was a whale. You know, but the Bible describes that as, as a big fish. And that's the first thing that comes to mind, right? I know that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And just, man, Jonah and the big fish. We see it in the children's ministry when the kids are, are doing the little crafts of Jonah. You know, it's always about Jonah eating, eating I mean, uh, the fish eating Jonah. And so more than, more than the story of a disobedient prophet, more than the story of, of, a, of, of a giant fish eating a man, more than, you know, the, the, the controversy, whether it's real or it's not, we know it is real. You know, more than that, you know, in, in, in this book is about God. You know, and in these four chapters, we see God in the book. And, and we could easily go through it, you know, and, and focus on, on other things besides God. Focus on uh, Jonah's character, the fact that he was running away from God's call. You know, Jonah's character, the fact that he rejected God's call. You know, uh, the, the fishing in Jonah. And we could completely miss, you know, the whole point of the story, which is, you know, God's sovereign hand over Jonah's life. And so in it... In this book, we see the mercy of God displayed in, in, in God giving, you know, again, this wicked nation of Assyria a chance to know him and to repent. You know, and a lot of people think, oh, I mean, a lot of people have this, this, this in mind. You know, I mean, I was talking to a coworker today. He said, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in, in God. You know, and, and, and I hate religion because, you know, it's used to, to control people and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's used to, you know, to, to, to choose only certain people, certain individuals. And it's not fair that, 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 that God chooses only certain individuals to be saved and to, and to be good to and the rest are going to perish. And so anyway, we got into this whole de- heated uh, uh, just, uh, just discourse, you know, and, and, and a lot of people think that way. You know, but yet, even here in the book of Jonah, we see, again, God's mercy displayed in the fact that he's providing this wicked nation. And we're going to get into how wicked they were. But this wicked nation, a chance to know him, you know, and to repent from their sins and, and to, be, to be brought into the family of God. You know, more than that, we're going to see the love of God and his desire for, for none to perish. Again, that, 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 that God will send this prophet to Nineveh to go preach to the nation of Assyria, you know, to the most wicked people. Why? Because God's desire, the Bible says, is for none to be lost, but for all to come and know him. And so we're going to see the love of God and his desire for none to perish. You know, and then we're going to see the sovereignty of God in the book of Jonah. You know, in, in God providing a means for this pagan nation. I mean, think about it. This pagan nation, they don't know God. They don't, they don't know the one and true living God. You know, all the, all the godly guys are, are in the southern kingdom of Judah. And yet God's going to provide a means for these guys to hear, the, hear the, the message of God's word. You know, so again, we see God's sovereignty in that, you know, and providing a means for this pagan nation to hear the message of repentance. You know, and, and in God being in complete control of the prophet's life and ministry despite his failures. So we see, again, just the sovereignty of God all over. You know, the sovereignty of God in, in sending a messenger to, to Assyria and the sovereignty of God in, in using uh, Jonah despite his failures. And 
Again, so the story isn't so much about a rebellious prophet or a wicked nation or a great mysterious fish, you know, or, or, or about any of that. But, but it's about a merciful, loving, sovereign God. You know, so let's not miss the point. The name of God, just in these four chapters, the name of God is actually mentioned over 40 times in just these, just these four chapters. I think that, that always amazes me. Man, four chapters and the name of God is mentioned over 40 times. Just in this, in, this, uh, in this small book. So you could, again, see you know, that the focus is on God. Not on Jonah, not on the fish, not on Assyria, not on Nineveh, not on the call, not on the, his rebellion, but, but on God himself. And so with, with that as an introduction, we'll go ahead and, we'll go ahead and uh, get into the book. Um, and I'll just go ahead and read uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Stop right there. He says, for their wickedness has, has come up against me. Now, Jonah wasn't, wasn't a stranger to the voice of God. You know, I think a lot of times when, if, if you're familiar with the story, you think of the prophet Jonah, you think, oh, man, that's Jonah. You know, he's a knucklehead. God called him to go do something. He didn't listen. You know, he was probably a first timer. He's probably green. He's a green guy. You know, he's probably, uh, you know, not, not used to this whole being a prophet thing. And you could think that because of the way he acts in this whole book, as we're going to see. But, but in reality, you know, uh, Jonah was not a stranger to the voice of God. You know, we see that we see in 2 Kings 14. That, that, that Jonah was actually, was actually successful in his commission to prophesy to the northern kingdom concerning the territory of Israel that was to be restored to the nation. And, and as you read there, there in First Kings and first, and Second Kings 14, I mean, we see that, that, that God used Jonah already in the past in order to prophesy to the nation. So again, Jonah, this wasn't his first rodeo. You know, he, he was used to being a prophet. He, he knew well how to hear from God, how to, how, to, how to tell God's word to God's people. He knew how to, how to speak on behalf of God. He knew how to obey God. You know, he, he, he knew how to act. You know, so it wasn't, it wasn't his first time. You know, again, he was aware of his calling. Jonah knew that he was a prophet. He knew what God had called him to do. You know, this wasn't the first time he had, he had prophesied. This wasn't the first time he had, he had heard the voice of God. He, he was aware of his calling, and he knew how to discern the voice of the Lord. You know, and he knew how to not just discern it, not just listen to it, not just hear it, but also obey it. You know, he was seasoned. He was a seasoned prophet. You know, he was, he was, he was experienced. And so the book of Jonah is, is unique, actually, in, in a lot of ways, you know, the fish and all this stuff, but, but in a few more ways, too, in that, in that uh, he's actually the first prophet in the Old Testament, the only prophet, actually, in the, in the Old Testament, who was called to go prophesy to a Gentile nation. You know, and now a Gentile, I mean, you guys are not familiar with the word, Gentile pretty much means anyone other than, the, than, 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 than a Hebrew, other, anyone other than a Jew. And so all throughout the Old Testament, you know, every single prophet of God is, is called to go prophesy to the nation of Israel, to go prophesy to God's people. But Jonah is the, is the first of the prophets to, uh, that we read about in Scripture, you know, that, that was sent to go minister, to go give a message to a pagan nation, to, to a Gentile, to a, a Gentile people group. You know, and, and that's heavy. That's, that's key. That's key because we see that, that, that God's desire from the very beginning, not just the beginning of the Bible, from the, but from the very beginning of time, God's desire is, 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 for, is for the whole world to know Him. You know, it's for, it's for all people to, to know Him, for all people to come and know Him. You know, it's for all people to be saved. You know, sometimes we have the idea that, like, oh yeah, well, God came for the nation of Israel, they messed up, so then, you know, we, we, we as a default, you know, we got the chance to come and know God. But not so. You know, we see that, that, that us as you know, non-Jews, non-God-like you know, -like people, we see that, 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 that God had us in mind from the very, before the, even the beginning of time. Now, again, we see throughout Scripture that God always 
you know, that God is always desiring to reach the Gentiles, you know, meaning us, you know, us, people other than the Jews. That, that, that God is always desiring to reach the Gentiles and that God included us in His plan of salvation from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time. For example, um, you know, we just finished uh, studying the book of Genesis on Wednesdays. And, and, and just for an example, you know, uh, God told Abraham, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There in Genesis 22, 18. He told them, in your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Not just the Jews, not just the Hebrews, not just the nation of Israel, but, but, but all, the, all the world. And he included, God included the strangers who dwell among you to Moses as he gave him the, the, the law, the Ten Commandments. You know, now all those verses in Isaiah that mentioned the servant Jesus, you know, who was, who was to be a light to the Gentiles. The, the, the major prophet Isaiah, again, he, he refers to Jesus as a light to the Gentiles. And so again, we see that, that, that God's desire was always to reach the Gentiles, to always to reach every single people group. You know, and how, how sad that and how tragic that at this time, Israel, the nation of Israel at this time when Jonah is prophesying, at this time, the nation of Israel, you know, God's people were, were to be a light to the whole world. You know, people were, were to look at the nation of Israel and see God's hand just blessing them, see them prospering, see them, you know, obeying God, worshiping God. And, and so they were supposed to be a light to the, to the whole world. And how sad and how tragic at this time that they weren't. You know, they were like knee deep, chin deep, actually, in idolatry. They were chin deep in just in all kinds of pagan worship. They were chin deep in, uh, chin deep in, 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 just in the pursuit of just the, the, the things of this world, money, you know, the cares of this life. You know, and so, I mean, how tragic, right? But also, I think about days like this, you know, days like, like the days that we're living in. And we see all the crazy stuff that's, that, that's going on around us. I mean, I made a, a post on Instagram earlier um, about about the statue that the that that the that the UN made, you know, the, the United Nations, they set up this this statue in front of one of their headquarters, you know, and this statue pretty much is like a leopard guy with uh with bear with bear claws, I mean with, with bear paws and wings, and uh it, it it's just this crazy uh, just this crazy uh, statue, and it actually resembles you know almost word for word uh, uh image for image, it resembles it, it resembles one of the beasts. Of revelation, you know that that, that represent the, the the false prophet and, and and Satan himself, you know, and crazy that the that the United Nations set this statue up and they called it their their ambassador for peace or their angel of peace something like that, and they set it up right in front of one of their buildings. It's huge. Look it up. Look it up. It, it just came out on the news. I think yesterday, today the ninth. Yesterday, yesterday I believe. So look it up. It's crazy. And so. Just, just to think again that, that the nation of Israel at this point is supposed to be the light to the whole world, but yet they were caught up in all, all these other things, idolatry, false worship, all this stuff. You know, and then the church today, you know, is called to be the, 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 the light of the world, the light to the world. You know, people are, are, are to look at Christians and, and, and know, hey man, something different about you. Hey man, I see God's hand, you know, upon your life. Right? I mean, I'm super blessed at work when, when somebody, you know, randomly points, hey man, you're religious. Or, I hate the word religious, you know, but that's how they say it. Hey man, you're like... You, you're like a church guy, huh? Like, yeah, I'm a church guy. You know? I forget I have tattoos and all that stuff, you know? So one of the guys, he's like, he's like, hey, you're kind of religious, huh? Because I was listening to, you know, Christmas music all day. I'm like, I just love Christmas, man. And he's like, hey, you're kind of religious, huh? And, uh, and, he's, uh, and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a Christian, man. I love God. He's like, yeah, yeah, I can tell, I can tell. I'm like, I, I, out of curiosity, I asked him, hey, well, uh, I was like, what, what, what made you say that? Or what made you think I was, you know, religious or whatever? And he's like, oh, the tattoos. And I'm like, all right. Oh, and the fact that uh, this, this, that, and the other. I'm like, all right, cool, man. I don't even know people are looking at me, right? But people look at us everywhere we go. People, you know, watch the way we act. And they see, hey, man, there's something different about you. All right? And so, again, in, and especially in a world right now, like, with all this stuff going on. Again, man, the UN, which is one of the, 
which is a key player in the in the end times, which is a key player in the book of Revelation, you know, which is a key player, you know, in, in, in ushering in, you know, the, 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 the Antichrist, you know, the, the, the false prophet, you know, the pretty much um Satan's man, you know, again that the U that the UN will set up this statue, you know, we just see again all this wickedness going on around us and we're called to be light. So Israel was called to be light at this time. They weren't, you know, they were actually darkness. And so Here's God. He calls Jonah from out of the nation of Israel and sends him into a pagan nation and sends him to, to, to go preach the word to, to get into these, uh, these, this pagan people group. And verse 3 says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Man, crazy. Here's Jonah. He receives a call from the Lord. You know, the very first verse, he knew God's will for his life. Which was, alright, go down to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness. You know, it says, pretty much, go, go preach to the city. And so, verse, verse 3, you would expect to read, and Jonah went down to Tar No, instead you read verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. At, the, at this time, Tarshish was the, was the furthest known city, you know, in, in, in the world. It's like me going, all right, let me see, let's see how far I can get with what I got in my pocket. Uh, I mean, I'll make it down to like uh, New York or to like Texas or I'm going to get on a, on a bus or I'm going to get on a train and just go as far as, as until the railroad end, ends pretty much. You know, that, that was Jonah. You know, he took the first boat out to Tarshish, the furthest city that, that existed there at that time in the known world. And so instead of obeying God and, and getting up and going to Nineveh, man, he gets on a boat and he flees. That word flees means flees. I mean, he was running for his life. He's like, no way, man, I'm out of here. I No way I'm going to listen to God. No way I'm going to go preach to those people. Instead, he, he turned around, he booked, and he took off as far as he could. And so it says that he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. Joppa was a, was a, was a city there by the shore. If you guys uh, recall it there in the, in, um, in the book of Acts, you know, we read a few weeks ago that, that Peter was staying at Simon's house, who was a tanner who lived in Joppa. And it was there while he was by the seashore that, that, uh, that you remember that, that, that Cornelius sent some guys to come, to come uh, get him. And so it's the same city, Joppa. You know, it's a port. It's a port city. So it means, you know, that's where ships go out of. And so it says that, that, that Jonah went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare. He didn't think twice. You know, he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Notice that he wasn't fleeing. He wasn't, he, was, he wasn't going away. He wasn't fleeing because of high taxes or, you know, high, high gas or high whatever, high cost of living. It says there that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So in Jonah's mind, he's trying to run away as far away from God as he can. He deliberately, he knew what he was doing. He's like, I'm running away from God. No matter what, there, there's no way God's going to go find me over there. He, he can't chase me down. So he runs as far as he can from the presence of the Lord. And so we see that, 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 that Jonah had this, this bitter resentment towards the Assyrians. You know, Nineveh is, is, is the city that, that, God called, that God called him to go preach. And Nineveh is the capital city of, of, of Assyria at the time. And so we see that, that Jonah said, no way. You know, I'd rather run away from the presence of God. I'd rather run away from my calling than to go preach to, to the Assyrians. And we see, again, that he had this bitter resentment towards them. You know, and, 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 he, and he, he should. He should. I mean, he was a patriot. You know, and so... Again, he's saying, man, no way, I'm, 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 I'm leaving. And so the Assyrians had, had a reputation of violence. You know, if you ever study history and you study the, 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 the ancient city of Assyria, the, their, their economics, their history, just the things that they practiced, um, they, the Assyrians had a reputation for violence. You know, they were known for, for their torture of nations that they would conquer. 
You know, and so they had this custom that they would go to, to a, a, a nation, they would make war with it, they would conquer it, and they would torture them, uh, I mean, wickedly. You know, it was, it, some people actually look, um, look down on this prophet, you know, for his disobedience. You know, but I mean, I, I, I at least admire his transparency. He's like, man, he's like, he's saying, man, God, there's no way I'm going to go preach to those guys. I hate those guys. That's pretty much what's going on in his mind. He's like, man, those guys are evil. They're wicked. No way I'm going to give them a chance to even be saved. No way I'm going to go preach to them the message. Why did he say great city? Because it, at the time it was, it was a great city. Or, or it was just how big it was? No, it, one, it's the size, the size of the city. And also just uh, the fact that, that this city was like the stronghold. It was like uh, the, when it came to, to, to the economical, the, the shipping, the exporting, importing. It would have been like the, like the Long Beach, you know, like the Long Beach of, of, of California. You know, it's like it's known for, for, for just, it's a great because of its, of, of all the money that's, that's flowing in, that's flowing out, all the business that's going on. You know, it just, it's known. It, it is a great city, you know, one in size and also just in, in, in reputation and the things that go on it and uh, on there. You know, and so again, it, this great city, Assyria. And so Jonah said, no way, man, I'd rather, I'd rather leave. You know, I, I, I'd rather run away from, 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 from God's calling to go preach to these people than to even give them a chance to be saved. And again, of the Assyrians, you know, it, it they were, they were like master torturers. You know, when they would conquer a nation, they would take uh, women and children and, 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 and the men of battle. You know, it was said that, 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 they would, uh, that they would pierce their nose and they would tie chains to their nose. And so they would drag them all, you know, by, by, by the chains tied to their nose rings. They would drag them out. People in that time, you know, when, when they knew that they were going to get conquered by Assyria, you know, history tells us that, that, that the people would rather commit suicide than to fall into the hands of the Assyrians. And so you could just imagine again how harsh, how heavy their, 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 their hand was, you know, on the people they would conquer. And so Jonah said, man, no way, man, those guys are evil. You know, I, I'm out. And so verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Notice that. We see the sovereignty of God. Here's Jonah running away from his call. You know, he's thinking, all right, I'm going to flee. I'm running away from the presence of God. But then God's sovereignty comes, in, comes into play. And we see that, that, that God sent a great wind on the sea. And says, and there was a mighty tempest, meaning man, waves all crazy, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, I, I want to point out a couple of things right there for the whole chapter. You know, we see here in chapter 1, it says that, that, that the Lord sent out a great wind. You know, so like the, the, the Lord prepared this great wind. And later on in chapter 1, we're going to see that the Lord prepares a great fish. In chapter 4, we're going to see that God prepares the plant. Also in chapter 4, we're going to see that, that God prepares a worm. And then uh, again in chapter 4, we're going to see, it's going to say that God prepares a vehement east wind, meaning like a strong, mighty east wind. And through it all, you know, God is preparing a prophet. He's preparing the great wind. He's preparing the great fish. God's preparing the, the, the plant later on. He's going to prepare a worm that's going to come to play. We'll read about later. He's going to prepare a, a, a strong wind, a mighty wind. And through it all, God is preparing a prophet. Again, there's just God's sovereignty in, in the prophet's life, in Jonah's life. You know, he's thinking he's running away from God. He's thinking just this whole, you know, mess up is going on. But really, you know, God, God is using everything, all the outside, his rebellion, the circumstance, the nation of Assyria, you know, the wind, everything. He's, use, he's using everything to prepare his life. You know, and, 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 so, and so in our lives as well. You know, God is sovereign and, and in control of every single situation of our lives as well. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 28, it says that God uses everything in our lives, every single thing, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, for, for his good pleasure. 
It says, it says that, that, and that He uses everything in our lives, Romans 8, 28. You know, that He causes all things that happen in our lives to turn together for good. You would think, man, even this? Yeah, God says, yeah, it is. Ah, Lord, but no way you can use this. He says, yeah, I'll even use that. And He says, all right, Lord, well, what about this one? He's all, yeah, man, I'll use that too. You know, and then with, a, with an end result, not just because He wants to be good and just use these things and show how, 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 how good He is, but, but with an end result in verse 29, Romans 8, 29 says that so that we would be conformed into the image of His Son, meaning that through these things that, that happen in our lives, you know, through these things that, that, that God is going to use in our lives for His good, you know, it would cause us to just reflect more of the Son, reflect more of Jesus, you know, the, the, the Son of God, Jesus, and to conform us into the image of His Son. And so again, He's preparing uh, Jonah, He's preparing us, He's using Jonah's circumstances, He uses ours as well. And it says in verse 5, then the, the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. He had lain down, and he was fast asleep. Like, man, he's thinking, if the ship goes down, I'm going down with it. I don't care. He feels it rocking and, you know, back and forth and up and down. He's probably floating, jumping around. He's like, man, I don't care. He's like, I'm knocked out. I don't care what happens. I don't care if we, if we, if we die on this ship. I don't, I don't care if everybody dies with us on this ship. He's saying... I'm out. There's no way I'm turning back. And so again, it says that, that, that everyone was so afraid that they began to cry out every man to his own God. Now, keep in mind, you know, that, that, that these weren't, you know, people who, who knew the true and the living God. They were just, you know, people from different backgrounds, different, different walks of life. Because uh, the city of Joppa was a port city, you know, you would get all these sailors from, from all over the world that, that, that would go to Joppa, you know, to go, you know, export and, and import. And that was their business. You know, same like the truck drivers. I mean, we see truck drivers from, we see plates from all over the place. Arizona, Mississippi, Texas, New Mexico, all these. You know, so same thing with, with these ships. You know, that you would have people from all over the world on these ships because that was their trade. That's what they do. And so every single person, you know, had their own God, had their own culture, had their own way of, way of worship. And it says that these guys were so afraid that every man cried out to his own God, to his own God. And they even threw out the cargo that was in the ship to lighten the load. But there's Jonah, again, just... Fast asleep. He's fast asleep. He could care less. Now, this is actually a, a sad picture, you know, of the world around us. Why? Because people are afraid. You know, people are searching for purpose. They're seeking for, for love. They're seeking for truth. You know, but without knowledge of the true living God, you know, they turn to false gods, false hopes, and, and, and just end up empty. And here are these guys, man, afraid for their lives. And all they can do is just turn to their false god. And obviously, he's not answering you know, they're seeing, look, man, every single one of them is, is, is turning to, to their own false god. And there they are. The, the storm is still, is still uh, be, beating on them. You know, and so, again, they're just left empty. Man, perfect example of the world today, right? People go through all kinds of stuff. You know, they, they cry out to, their, to, to whatever, you know, false conception of God they had, you know. To the guy I was talking to earlier at work, you know, his whole thing is like, he says, I'm my own God. Because I'm my own God. He says, I don't need God. He says, I don't need to submit to a God. I don't need to, you know, follow, you know, a, a, a religion. He says, I'm God. I'm, my, I'm, I'm the God of my, of my life. He says, you're the God of your life. He's the life of his, uh, God of his life. She's the God of her life. He says, he says I'm my own God. And, and, uh, and, 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 and I knew that he had got COVID like a few months ago. <laughs> and he almost got taken out. So I brought it up. You know, I didn't I hate to throw that out there. But hey, bro, didn't you have, I was like, didn't you have COVID a few weeks ago? He's like, yeah, yeah. Like, how was it? He's like, it was bad, man. It was bad. He's like, I was in the hospital. He says, I didn't think I was going to make it. And I was like, and, and you trust yourself, man, as your own God? And, and you almost lost your life in the hospital? And, and he just kind of just like, whoa. He, like, he clicked. He's like, whoa. <laughs> like, whoa. He says, he's like, yeah, man, but, but, but I couldn't see that coming. I was like, exactly. That's the whole point. 
Right? We make gods out of ourselves. We think that, hey, man, I'm in control of my own life. And yeah, all of a sudden something happens in our life where God makes us realize that we have absolutely no control of our lives. You know, and we're forced to, to turn to someone higher than us. You know, God himself. And so here are these guys. You know, they're gonna, we're going to see them turn to, to God Almighty you know, through all this as well. And so verse 6 says, again, as all these guys are crying out to their own God, afraid, terrified for their lives. You know, they see nothing's happening. No one's answering. None of the gods are answering. And so verse 6 says, So the captain came to Jonah, came to him, and said, and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, calling your God. Perhaps your God will consider us, so that we may not perish. So here are all these guys that are tripping. Oh, man, we're going to die. We're going to die. Throw everything overboard, man. You know, it's crazy. No one's answering. Keep praying. Man, there's probably guys on their knees crying out. Now all of a sudden they go down and they see Jonah just, boom, snoring. Just snoring out there, you know, and they wake him up and, and, and he says, man, what's, what's wrong with you? You know, what's wrong with you, sleepyhead? They say, what's, hey, get up, sleepyhead. He says, arise, call on your God. Notice that. They had called on every single God, you know, that, that was represented on the ship. And then all of a sudden they go to Jonah and say, hey, call on your God. He said, perhaps, he said, maybe your God will consider us so that we, we will not perish, so that we won't be destroyed. He says, call on your God. So again, the idea, you know, they're saying, hey, look, we've called on, on all of our gods. They're not answering. Nothing's working. We're going, we're going down. We're going to die. Calling your God. Maybe he will save us. And verse 9 says, oh, sorry, verse 7 says, and, the, and, as they, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now this, this Old Testament custom of casting lots, it was, uh, no one knows exactly what it is, but, it, but it was, it was, it's believed that there was like some kind of like, um, like stones that they would throw these stones, and it was, very, it was a superstitious thing to do. You know, they would, they would throw these stones, and who, who's, who, maybe they would set up their names, and who, whosoever name the stones fell on, you know, that was the person that they were looking for, or whatever it was that they were inquiring on. It could have been like a yes or no thing, all right, should I go here, should I go, yes or no, all right, yes, let's go. You know, and so they cast lots, in desperation, God bless you, in desperation, they cast lots, and it says that the cast fell on Jonah. And verse 8, then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is, is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and, and of what people are you? They're, so they're saying, hey man, who are you? You know, obviously you got something to do with this. So who are you? And when it goes on to say in verse 9, so he said to him, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He's saying, look man, we're on the sea. The sea's going crazy. There's a storm, but I'm a Hebrew and, and I, I fear the Lord. I serve God. I serve the God of heaven who made the sea. And the dry land. It says then, verse 10, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them so. Notice that. So no doubt, you know, no, no doubt they, they had heard about this God of the Hebrews. They had heard all the stories. You know, Israel had, had, a, had, a, had, a, had a very uh, you know, known past. Everyone had, had heard about what God did to them in Egypt. How he parted the seas, how he how he brought those plagues on Pharaoh. Everyone knew how he how he had delivered them, you know, from 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 Babylon. How he had just worked wonders among them, and so everyone had heard about this God of the Hebrews, right? It's like how people you hear, you know, every once in a while, people, are like, oh yeah, I know Jesus, or I heard about Jesus, or I heard about people being being you know becoming Christians or whatever. And so everyone had heard about this God of the Hebrews, but now they're seeing his power, you know, firsthand. They're saying, whoa. This is happening because this guy, you know, is, 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 fears, is, is fears the God of the Hebrews and he's running away from him. And man, he's making this happen. So now they've heard about, they've heard about him, but now they're experiencing him firsthand. You know, and, and it's like at this moment, once they heard him say that, 
Notice what it says again there in verse 10. It says, For the man knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told him so. And it says that they were exceedingly afraid. So at that moment, you know, their eyes were being opened. At that moment, their eyes were being opened. The blinders were removed. And they realized that the God that they cried out to could do nothing. You know, they couldn't do anything. But this God of Jonah was the true God. You know, he controls the sea. He made the sea. They're realizing like, whoa, his God's real. His God's real. You know, verse 11 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do to you so that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempest. I mean, it was just getting crazy. And he said to them, verse 12, And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. So notice that he didn't say, you know what, just take me back. Just take me back to, to, to Joppa. I got to go to Nineveh. He's saying, you know what, just throw me over. He could have told him. He could have said, you know what, if you turn around, hey, God's going to come to see because I'm running away from him. But no, he says, you know what, I just throw me over. You know, I'd rather die. That was him. He said, I'd rather die. You know, and so... I mean, sometimes, sometimes we think that, that as Christians, we can, we can go on, you know, continue sinning, continue, you know, just, just get involved with the things that, that don't please God and that our sin won't affect anyone but ourselves. But, but it's false. Right? The Bible teaches that, that, that when, when we're involved in sin, when, 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 when we're involved in these things, you know, it not just affects us, but it affects especially those around us. Right? That's a, that's a that double-edged sword of sin that we think, hey, man, well, this is just me, you know, whatever. I'm doing my own thing, you know, I'm... This is, this is only affecting me. I'm not hurting anyone else. But yet, we don't see the, the, the damage that it causes to those around us. And here's Jonah. You know, he's in sin. He's running away from the call of God. And, and, and because of that, man, he's putting the, the lives of these guys in danger. They're all afraid for their lives. They're terrified. And so his sin is, 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 is affecting those around him as well. And it says, again, that, that these men were, were scared for their lives because they got caught in the crossfire of Jonah's rebellion against God. They got, they got caught in the crossfire, you know, of, of Jonah's consequences. Now, they weren't even part of it. They just got caught, caught in the crossfire, right? Jonah's, Jonah's sins were, were affecting them. And so, again, when we sin, it, it, sins, it affects everyone around us. One way or another, we just, sometimes we just don't realize it. And so, again, Jonah could have said, hey, take me back. That's it. Everything will be, will, will be fine. Just take me back. But he said, no, I'd rather die. He said, I'd, he said, I'd rather die, you know, than, than preach to the Assyrians. That was the whole thing behind it. He didn't want to preach to the Assyrians. He said, I would rather die than preach to the Assyrians. And so we see that, that Jonah's heart is, is, is really hardened. You know, it's really hardened to, towards a specific people group. You know, it's, it's really hardened towards the Assyrian people. And it goes on to say in verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Remember in the beginning, they said that, that, God, that God sent out this great wind, right? And, and, the, and that God prepared the storm, that God prepared the sea. And now here are these guys, they didn't know God, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're seeing, hey, Jonah says, hey, just, just throw me over. They don't want to throw him over, so they try to roll as hard as they could to get to the land. Nothing's working. And so what do they do? Now they're turning to the true and living God. And now they're praying to God, you know, and... Again, we're seeing the scales, you know, being removed from, from the men's eyes and, and, and they're seeing God for who he is. Now they're actually praying to him. They're calling him Lord. They're saying, Lord, he said, oh, Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And they said, for you, O oh Lord, have done as it pleased you. They're recognizing, you know, what, what, what we, as we're just reading, you know, we're, we can't see what's going on in their hearts. But, but I mean, we see that, that now their hearts are being toward, turned towards the true and living God, Lord. You're in control. We know you caused all this. You know, we know that you're powerful. We know that, that this was you. And please, forgive us. You know, we don't want to hurt this guy, but, but just forgive us for, for what we're going to do. And 
So they're gonna they're gonna throw him overboard. And it goes on to say there in verse 15. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. So the the, the, the calm came over it. The sea ceased from his raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows. Man, they threw Jonah over, everything calmed, and they're like, whoa, man, this is crazy, this is heavy. That's what I was saying, this is crazy. He's like, man, this is heavy. You know, and so it says again that they, that they feared the Lord exceedingly. When it says that they feared the Lord exceedingly, I mean, we read that word in the Bible, fear God, the fear of God, and we think that you have to be scared of God or something. That's not what that means. When it talks about the fear of God, it means just this holy reverence, this holy, you know, uh, look unto, looking unto God, unto, unto God. You know, this holy reverence, this holy just kind of respect, I mean, to, to, to a higher degree, you know, to the fact where you say, Lord, you know, here, man, my life is yours. You know, you, you surrender to God. And so now they're saying, it says that, that they feared God exceedingly. And so we see that, 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 that them terrified, you know, they're terrified at the realization that they are in the presence of a holy God. Like, whoa. Jonah's God is the God. He's the God. All, all of our gods didn't answer. You know, we're still here. We would have been left for dead. And he says, but Jonah's God is, is, is a true and living God. It was, it was a, this is a old theologian, R.C. Sproul, rest in peace, you know, who said, a God whose holiness is more terrifying than the forces of nature. You know, he writes a book called, called The Holiness of God. And, and in that, he, he, he puts that little phrase, a God whose holiness is more terrifying than the forces of nature. And that's what these guys are experiencing. A God whose holiness is more terrifying than the, than the forces of nature. The storms, the sea, the wind, you know, the waves, everything. Man, now they're seeing the holiness of God. Notice that they weren't terrified when, they, when, when, the, when, the, when the waves were beaming on them. They weren't terrified, you know, when they were about to lose their life. They weren't terrified when they, when they, when, you know, when they set out. You know, and they thought that the, that the ship was going to break. But they were terrified when they realized, man, God is real. You know, Jonah's God is real. Again, when they were just mar- uh, marveling at his holiness. And so we see that, that, that God even used Jonah's failure to reach these lost fishermen. So here they are, man. And God works everything out for his good, like it says in Romans. Everything. And even, even Jonah's failure. You know, God used it for, for good to reach these fishermen. Why? Because God loves them. And he wanted to reach them as well. And so with God, nothing is wasted. We may think, all right, man, I've been messing up. I've been messing around. I've been just lost. I've been whatever. You know, all right, but now I'm walking back with the Lord or, or not, now, now I'm seeking God again. But man, those were like the last years. You know, we think about our past. We think about the things we've done. It's like, all right, those are the last years. Those are like, you know, the, 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 the dark days. You know, and, and, and God can't use that. But no, we see that God uses everything. You know, I mean, he's using Jonah's sin and Jonah's rebellion to reach these guys on the ship. You know, and so again, with God, nothing is wasted. Nothing. He uses everything. No failure, no trial, no victory, no defeat. You know, he makes all things work together for good. Like it says in Romans. And so it goes on to say there in verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So they threw him overboard. The guy said, all right, sorry, Lord, forgive us, but we're going to throw him overboard. They threw him overboard. And it says that the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, when we read that, you know, and even like, again, we see pictures of it and we see, you know, the children's ministry, the, they have the, the crafts and stuff. And you always see like a big whale and Jonah just kind of hanging out in there, you know, like Pinocchio. He's just kind of hanging out like, oh, man. But, but, but in reality, I mean, if you think about it, Jonah was probably, I, I do believe it was, a, it was a great fish. Look up, look up in, uh, I mean, there, there's, there's history of a, of, a, of a man actually being swallowed by, by, by a whale. You know, he survived for like two days. 
And when, when he was finally spit out, his, his skin was so, uh, was, it, it, it looked like a three degree, like a three degree burn because of the acidity in the, in the stomach of the whale. You know, so this isn't like far from, you know, from, 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 from reasonable. You know, this, it, it happened. Well, back then, I mean, this is probably the first time it happens, but I mean, it's, it's happened in our history, you know, as far back as, as, I mean, there's even pictures of this guy. But here's Jonah, you know, and I think sometimes we think of Jonah just kind of hanging out in the, uh, in, the fish's, in the fish's belly, walking around, maybe a big whale, just, you know, making lunch or whatever. You know, but if you think about it, you know, he was swallowed up. He was probably just like this, you know, and with all the insides of the fish just surrounding him, you know, he's later on going to see hey, there was seaweed going up. You know, he was probably throwing up as he's in there. Oh, it stinks, you know, and just, it was hot in there. You know, so it wasn't that he was just walking around, you know, but he was, man, he was in the belly of a fish. I, I, I definitely believe, I, for one, believe that he was just like this the whole time. Just, you know, couldn't move, just miserable. That's the whole point, right? Meant to be miserable in his, in his rebellion. And so chapter 2, we're told this, you know, as, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, notice that it says, that after he was there for three days and three nights, then he cried out to God. Not as he was being swallowed, not on the first day, not on the first hour, but after three days and three nights. So it's like to the very end, he's like, all right, that's it, I tap out, God. All right, after three days, like, like he couldn't take it anymore. But you just see again his stubbornness, you know, his stubbornness and just his hard-heartedness. It took him three days for him to be like, all right, Lord, to even pray. He, he didn't even talk to God. The whole time he was just mad. Was like, I'm not going to say anything, throwing up. Finally, he said, all right, God, here it is. And he begins to pray after three days and after three nights. I'm surprised it took him that long. He says, and he said, and this was his prayer. This is what he cried out. And then in verse 1 it says, And he cried, it says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, and Sheol is actually the, the Hebrew word for, for hell. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the mornings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. And, and really what, what Jonas is, is doing, what Jonas is doing, he's quoting Psalms. You know, every single one of these verses is, is a reference to a, to a different Psalm in the Old Testament. You know, and so, we're, we're, so we see that Jonah was aware you know, of, the, of the word. He knew the word. As he's there, he's crying out to God. And pretty much he's just pouring his heart out. He's pouring his heart out to God. He's saying, Lord, I cried out to you from the pits of hell. And you rescued me. And he's saying, look, the flood surrounded me. The waves overpassed me. And he said there in verse 4, I've been cast out of your sight. He said, that's what I thought. So he thought that God said, all right, I'm done with you, Jonah. And that, and that, and that God sent this fish to devour him. And that God said, I'm done with you, Jonah. That's it, man. No more. I'm done. I'm done messing with you. I'm done, you know, reasoning with you. I'm done, you know, giving you chances. You know, I'm done using you. That's it, man. I don't need you anymore. That's what Jonah thought. That's what he said. He said, "Look, I, he says, I thought, he says, I thought that 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 that, uh, that you had cast me out of your sight." You know, and then he goes on to say there at the bottom of verse six, he says, "But yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God." He says, verse seven, "When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple." In verse eight. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I, what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And so at the end of all that, he realizes, man, you know what? Salvation belongs to the Lord. What he's seeing and what he's realizing is like, man, who am I to hold back God's message? 
Who am I to hold back? You know, if God wants to save these wicked people, then man, who am I to, to, to hold that back? Who am I to not obey? You know, God can do whatever He wants. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And I'm so glad it does. You know, I'm very thankful it does. Because if salvation belonged to, you know, a pastor or, or, or a pope or, a, you know, a representative, then he would pick and choose whoever he wanted to be saved. All right, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. What do you got? All right, cool, you're in. You, man, you're out. Right? But because salvation belongs to the Lord, and only the Lord can give salvation, amen, he gives it freely to all. Right? And his grace and his love and his mercy and his long-suffering and his kindness, he gives it to all. And so now Jonah's realizing, hey, man, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's not up to me to hold it back from anybody. And then verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, I think that's amazing. Because here's Jonah. He's, he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. He, when, when, when he fell into the water, when he, I mean, when he was thrown into the water and he was devoured by the fish, he was in the middle of the ocean. He was in the middle of nowhere. He's thinking, all right, that's it. You know, even if, even if God, even if I do change my mind, it's too late now. And we see that all, all that time, you know, those three days and three nights while he was in the belly of the fish, this fish was actually swimming towards the land. And so that when, when Jonah finally cried out, then it, it spit him out into dry land. And what I'm trying to say is that, is that this, this fish, you know, was, 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 the vehicle, was the vehicle that God used, you know, to get Jonah back into his purpose and his will. Right? Jonah didn't know, but all the while, this trial that Jonah was going through, this being eaten by the fish, heavy trial, you know, this trial was getting him to the very purpose that God had for him, which is to be on that dry land and to, and to go share his message. And so for us, we go through these trials, we go through all these things, we've been through all these things, and we think, man, I'm just going through it, I'm just going through it, but little do we realize that that's the very thing that God is using, you know, in order to, to, to have you walk in His perfect world. That's the very thing that, that God is using. That's a vehicle that's transporting you onto the, onto the dry land. That's a vehicle, that, that's a conduit that God is using to, 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 to cause you to walk in His will. So there He is, man. For three days, three nights, you don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, He cries out to the Lord and He spits Him out onto dry land. And verse 3, I mean, chapter 3 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And now he responds differently. He says, verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Meaning, you know, that you could, it would take three days to, 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 to walk through the whole city. Three days, that's how, that's how big it was. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Stop right there. Now notice that. I, I love that verse 1 there, chapter 3 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, and then the message was the same. That, that, that message there in verse 2 was the same message as in the beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1. You know, it was the same message. It was the same call. Notice that, that Jonah's rebellion, you know, didn't hinder God's call in his life. Jonah's rebellion, Jonah's sin didn't change God's purpose for his life. The call was still the same. You know, we see again just God's grace and God's mercy and Him coming to Him a second time. So, all right, here comes a second time. You would think that maybe God will give Him like a lesser, lesser uh, task. All right, you know, well, you didn't do so good the first time, so I'll give you a, 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 an easier task. Uh, go do this, go do that. No, it was the same. You know, Jonah's rebellion, Jonah's sin didn't alter God's purpose for his life. And so Jonah goes into the city and he just begins to preach and this was his message. 
His message wasn't, hey, God loves you, you know, turn to him. Hey, God loves you, turn away from your sins. Or, no, it was, hey, 40 days and Nineveh's going to be overthrown. That's it. Our court. You know, no mercy. Just, hey, man, 40 days and you're all going to die. That's it. And verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, meaning that it was their way of mourning, from the greatest of them to the least of them all, meaning like the oldest to the youngest, and also the greatest in authority, position, power, so like the poorest person, the nobodies. From the somebodies to the nobodies, everybody, you know, began to mourn, to, to began to show affliction for their sin, and they all turned to God. Man. And, and all it took was just Jonah saying, hey, 40 days, you're all going to die. Verse 6, Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Again, it was their traditional way of, of showing like a remorse and, and mourning. And verse 7, And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? So man, all it took was just no, Jonah say, hey man, uh, 40 days and God's going to kill you all. You're all going to die. You know, and that's it. He wasn't you know, preaching this graceful, loving message. That's all he said. You know, and, and, and God touched their hearts with that message. And the message got to the ears of the king, and the king, you know, proclaimed the fast in the whole land and the whole nation. And say, all right, guys, we gotta seek the Lord, man. We're all gonna die. God is serious. God means business, you know. And so he it came out from him, and knows what he said in verse nine. He says, "Who can tell if God will will turn and relent, or like change his mind and turn away from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish?" That's all it took. And then verse ten. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from their disaster that, that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Man. So they, they turned from their sins. Notice that this, is that this is that they turned from their evil way. What that means is repentance. You know, repentance is a turning away from. That's what the word means, a turning away from. You're caught up in sin, you're caught up in that. And not, you don't just stop doing these things, but you turn away from them. You know, you make a deliberate, you know, change of direction. And so they did. God saw their hearts and, and says that God... That God, uh, he, he, he didn't bring that destruction upon them. And you would think, I mean, me as a pastor, as a, you know, as a, I guess, preacher, you know, whatever you want to call me. I mean, I, I delight in doing God's, God's will and going and preaching God's word. And whenever I preach to somebody God's word or tell somebody about Jesus and, 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 they, and they respond in a positive way, I get happy. I'm like, oh, man, that was so cool, man. Oh, thank, thank you, Lord. You know, that's awesome. I rejoice, man. I'm, I, I rejoice. I, I'm like... I, I, I'm full of joy when somebody responds positive to, positively to it. Here's Jonah. He preaches to a whole nation. Every single one of them, from the king all the way down to the, to the nobody, you know, they all repent from their sins. They turn to God. And you would think that Jonah would be, man, doing jumping jacks. And saying, Ooh, God is good. Yeah. But notice what he does in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was it not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving ki and kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So what Jonah said is like, man, Lord, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were going to do this to them. I knew you were going to save them. I know you were, you were going to be gracious to them. I knew you were going to be good to them. I knew you were going to show your love to them. 
He's, saying, he's telling God, Lord, see, isn't this what I told you? This, this is what I told you when I, when I ran away. Says, I, I ran away because I knew you were going to save them. I knew you were going to show kindness to them. And he says, man, he says, just kill me now because it's better for me to die than to live. And, and pretty much he's saying, hey, man, I'd rather die than see, these, than see these guys get saved. That was his heart. That's what he was saying. Man, he's just super transparent. He's just pouring his heart out. He's being real. I love that. I love that we just be real with God. Lord, you know how much... Lord, you know, I hate this person right now. Right? That's what he was saying. Hey, man, Lord, you know, this guy gets to my nerves. Lord, you don't want to punch this guy in the teeth right now. <laughs> Forgive me. You know, that's what he was saying. Man, Lord, I knew it. Lord, I knew you were going to save him. I knew you were going to be good to them. Isn't that why I ran away in the first place? And then God, God uh, responds to Jonah. And he says, then verse 4, Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city, and he sat on the east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. So God tells Jonah, hey, man, what are you, what are you so mad about? Jonah doesn't answer. He just storms out of the city. He goes and he sits on a hill, and he's just watching the city. He's thinking, all right, maybe, maybe God is going to destroy them. So he's just kind of just watching it from the outskirts. He's going to see what's going to happen. And then, so it says there in verse 6, And the Lord prepared a plant. And, and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plan. So here's Jonah sitting on a hill, the hot beaming sun beating on his head. He's just watching the city, seeing like, all right, Lord, maybe I can destroy that. You know, maybe, maybe it was wrong. And as he was there just in misery, angry, bitter, and sitting in the sun, God, God causes this plan to grow out and to, and to be shade to Jonah. And it says that Jonah was very grateful for the plan. And then verse 7, but as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the, when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, a strong east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, is it better? Is it, he said, it is better for me to die than to live. So God causes this plant to grow up. It gives him shade. Then God causes this worm to come up. It eats the plant. It withers away. You know, and here's Jonah now again in the sun. He says, man, I, again, it's better for me to just die than to live. And verse 9. And then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? So now he's trying to get his attention. He's, hey, he's, he tells Jonah, hey, man, you, should, should you be angry about the plant? You know, and, and Jonah said, there in verse 9. Oh, he says, and he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. <laughs> That's what he said. It's right, it is right for me. I, 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 should be, I should be mad, you know, even, even to death. Verse 10, But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you did not labor for, you know, nor did you make it grow. It came up in a night and it perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot you know, discern between uh, their right hand and their left and much livestock? And so what, what God was doing is that He was using that plant to teach something to Jonah. You know, Jonah's all mad for this plant that, that, that he had nothing to do with. It, it, the Lord caused it to grow out, and the Lord caused it to, to, to go away. And Jonah's all mad, all mad about this plant. And so God tells him, look, man. He says, if you're mad about this, you're, you're mad about this, this, this plant, you, ha you have pity on this plant. And he says, shouldn't I have pity on, on the city of Nineveh? Right? They're more than plants. They're human beings. He says, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. Now, that, that, that seems to indicate that there were children. You know, there was 120,000 children. You know, that they were so young that they didn't even know their left hand from their right hand. 
And so God's telling him, hey man, look, you're, 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 you pity this plant, shouldn't I pity the city of Nineveh where there's, there's even 120,000 kids? You know, they're innocent. They don't know their left hand from their right. He says, and more than that, you know, but they have all these, all this livestock. And that's the end of the book of Jonah. You know, so again, we end on that. You know, so again, God is just showing his, his, his sovereignty on, on, on Jonah's life. You know, again, going back to, to, to the beginning, that, that, uh, that, 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 little, that little outline, you know, is that, again, God was preparing, you know, God prepared the, the great wind, you know, God prepared the great fish, God prepared the plant, He prepared the worm, you know, He prepared the wind again, and through all that, hey, God was preparing the prophet. And so in our lives as well. Our failures, our victories, our trials, everything we go through, hey man, God is using it to prepare us. Right? No matter, no matter what it is, God's designed to, to, to prepare us for something. Right? For Jonah, he didn't start off so well. I mean, he ran away from God, ran away from his call, almost died, wanted to die, then changed his mind. And when God finally, finally used him, he's like, man, I knew I shouldn't have obeyed. <laughs> he was bitter. But yet God still used him. You know, and, 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 God, and God used Jonah to the extent that, hey, man, even Jesus quoted from Jonah. You think like, nah, man, I mean, man, to imagine having Jesus quote from you. Like, hey, man, uh, Jonah said this. I don't think, hey, Jesus is up in heaven saying, hey, angel just said this. I'm like, whoa, man, what an honor. And here's, and here's Jesus quoting Jonah. Uh, Jesus quotes from Jonah. And he says, uh, just as Jonah was, was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so, you know, will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth? In the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, and so Jesus quoted Jonah, you know, and, and Jonah's circumstance in his in the prime of his rebellion. What does that tell us? You know, that God wasn't you know looking down on Jonah. That God wasn't you know um, despising Jonah. That God wasn't looking on Jonah's sin, on Jonah's rebellion, on Jonah's you know uh, shortcomings, on his failures. But no, you know, He was gracious over all that, and God is gracious over our lives as well. Sin, failures, faults, mistakes, victories, and everything. Amen. We'll end right there.